Lord God, thank you so much once again for the opportunity to come before you as, as your church and your body, Lord, to pray for our beloved sister, Kathy, God. We pray that you would heal her. God, that you continue to, uh, through the process of, of her body healing and your power, God, may she be healed completely. We ask this by your power, Jesus, in your name, that you would heal her, God. Lord, thank you for the signs of, even if they're little increments, Lord, that she's getting better. We'll take that, God. But I now pray for bigger increments, Lord, that it's not just little by little, but it's like, oh, a lot more. And then it's a lot more and more and more. We pray that the weeks of recovery would not be weeks, but would, would be lessened by days, Lord, by maybe a week, and that she would uh, recover quickly and be able to wake up, Lord. I pray, God, that as the family is there, Lance, and the boys, Lord, that you would bless them, God, and confirm with them that she's going to be okay. We believe in that, Lord. We believe in faith in your power, God, that you are healing her and you will heal her completely. And so, Lord, I ask for your touch upon her. And I pray, God, that you'd be with the family, Lance and Zach and Tyler and Spencer, that you would encourage them, strengthen them, God, help them every day, God. The motions can go up and down like the tide, but, Lord, you're consistent, God. And so I pray you would strengthen them to persevere, to keep having faith in you, God, to keep trusting in you, Lord, and to to not, Lord, uh, uh, give in to those fears and doubts, God but that they would be anchored in you, Lord, that they would be take refuge, God, in you, Lord, when the darkness seems to come. Lord, you are the light, and I believe, God, that you are bringing light, God, into this situation even now. And, Lord, I, I pray for strength, a strength of faith for them, God, as they pray, as they seek you, as they pray over her, God. And may your Holy Spirit, God, be with them all. Thank you, Jesus. I ask this in Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray for your word tonight, that you would bless it, God, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, and that, God, you would stir us up, that you continually stir us, God, to fulfill your will in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, Acts chapter 16 the other day, um, before we had the the day camp uh, the other month in October, Kristen, Jared, and Tati were busy going over the camp registr- registration, getting things ready, and and I had the grandkids, and it was getting dark, so I told them, "Hey, let's go on an adventure." And of course, they got really excited. An adventure. And so we grabbed some lamps, some uh, little lanterns, and we went outside because it was already dark. And we took a simple walk, you know, around the house, around the yard. But it was this adventure to them. It was, it was amazing, you know, for them. We played outside with the little lights and everything. And the next day, Riley would come up and, and say, say, Papa, let's go on another Venture, you know, I forgot. So she says a really cute, but venture, you know, kind of thing. She was actually saying that today, too. <laughs> Talk about an adventure. You know what? In 1999, uh, a guy named Jesse Martin became the youngest person to sail around the world at age 
17. Can you believe that? He traveled the globe solo, nonstop, unassisted. I think that's amazing at 17 years old. During the voyage, though, it wasn't easy. There were several close calls, narrowly, narrowly avoiding a collision with a tanker. He did get hit by a whale. Not a Jonah story, though. In this, when he was in the South Atlantic, he got knocked over several times by heavy seas. Near Africa's Cape of Good Hope, a Force 10 storm threatened to, to break his mast and bring it down. For long periods of, on this journey, Martin was cold, scared, and alone. Yet he kept his spirits up throughout the journey. After sailing alone, now get this, for 11 months, 11 months, I mean almost a year, right? Martin finally came home to Melbourne, Australia, to 20,000 people cheering. What an adventure that must have been for him. Well, tonight we return to our study in the book of Acts, and Paul and Silas actually begin a, a, a journey. It's a new journey, and it is what is now called the second missionary journey of Paul. And so I call this, and this is our title of our message tonight, The Next Adventure, The Next Adventure. I believe God is setting us on an adventure. There's a next adventure for us, and I believe God wants to inspire us tonight. So Acts chapter 16 we're going to be studying verse 1 through 15 tonight. Acts chapter 16, the next adventure. So, and then our outline is this. We're going to see four things. Number one is the unexpected team member. Number two, the unexpected circumcision. Number three, the unexpected roadblock. And number four, the unexpected salvation. So we have the unexpected team member, circumcision, roadblock, and salvation. So those four things is what we're going to be seeing. Well, let's begin here. The next ad adventure with number one, the unexpected team member. The unexpected team member. Here we're going to be covering verses one through three, but just the first part of three, three A. Let's take a look here at these verses. Acts chapter 16, verse 1 through the first part of 3. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And we'll pause right there. We'll stop right there in the middle of verse 3. Now we begin here with Luke now writing how the Apostle Paul came to these two places, Derby and to Lystra. Now, we're continuing this story here, as you know, from chapter 15. Last time, we saw Paul split off, right, from Barnabas. Barnabas took John Mark and he went... Uh, more the, uh, the same journey they took in the first missionary journey to the west through Cyprus. And then what we saw in verse 40 of verse, uh, chapter 15, Paul chose Silas. So he took Silas with him, which Silas was really a perfect fit. If you remember, I was mentioning 
that Silas, he's from Jerusalem. He's one of the leaders there. Uh, he's a, a prophet. He's a Jewish prophet. He speaks for God. And also he is, we'll see later in this chapter, he is also a Roman citizen. So Silas is the perfect guy to partner with Paul on this second missionary journey. Um, so Barney, Barnabas, and Mark, they went west to the island of Cyprus from Antioch. But Paul and Silas, they went up north uh, to Syria and Cilicia. We read those at, at the end of the chapter, uh, above their chapter 15, verse 41. Now, I want you to see this map. We're going to put a map on the screen. And this first map, if you take a look at it, you can get some perspective on how Paul traveled here. So is there a map? There should be a map. Mr. Map, Mr. Map. Well, there it is. Okay, so you see on the bottom right of the screen is Antioch. That's where they're starting off from. Now, um, Barnabas and John Mark went, you can't see, but that's part of the island there on the bottom, went kind of west there. But Paul went up, went through Tarshish, and then here you see Derby and Lystra. So he's going the back way of how they took their first missionary journey. If you remember that, they decided to go kind of the, the, the reverse route of the original uh, missionary journey that they did, the first missionary journey. So here's Paul. Paul and Silas going to Derby and to Lystra. So just to give you a little perspective there on how they're traveling. All right. So there in Lystra, we find a disciple was there, and his name was Timothy. Now, Timothy is introduced here, and most of us know who Timothy is. He's a very important name in the New Testament, isn't he? Well, we find here in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, that Timothy was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, and others believed in Christ, and his father was a Greek. So Timothy was this Hapa uh, person, Hapa Jew, half Jew, half Greek there, and in this tense, the way the, the, the original language is put in the Greek, it, it, it indicates the father uh, had passed away. So most commentators believe that. But the mother, now we know the name of the mother. Do you remember her name? Well, in 2 Timothy 1.5, we find a name. Her name was Eunice. And Paul also mentions the grandmother, Lois. So this is Timothy of the New Testament that Paul runs into here. Now, many believe that Timothy probably got saved the last time Paul was there in Lystra when he traveled on the first missionary journey. If you remember, uh, during that missionary journey, he, uh, a man was healed. And later, Paul, uh, uh, the Jews got to him, stoned him. He got up. Right and went back into the city. So perhaps maybe that was something that witnessed to Timothy, or Timothy heard the message, and anyway, he was saved. So he was a believer already. Uh, this is Timothy was a, a, a believer and a disciple, excuse me, it says. So we know that 
he was a believer when Paul met up with him in Lystra. Now, it says here in verse 2 that he was well spoken of by the brothers of Lystra and Iconium. If you remember on the map, Iconium is that area above there of Derby and Enso and Lystra. And so you see that Timothy was a good guy. He, he was well spoken of. Everyone said, hey, he's a solid guy. Timothy, he, he's, he's solid. And so Timothy turned out to be a good candidate to join this team, Paul and Silas, for this missionary journey. And I think that probably encouraged Paul. Remember, in the first missionary journey, John Mark, he jumped ship early on, took off, left the two. And, and that's why Barnabas and, and Paul kind of split, because Paul Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, but Paul said, no, I don't think he's ready. And, and so Paul went one way with Silas. Barnabas did take uh, John Mark. But here's Timothy, who they ran into, and he was a good candidate, a solid guy. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy 1-2, Paul wrote, my true son in the faith. And so Timothy was this solid guy. And we know that later on, Timothy became Paul's protege, his disciple, the one he raised up, the one who, who was with Paul, probably most of the time was with Paul. So this was key now. What we're reading here, what Luke is putting here, it was key to see that Paul went north to Lystra to start this second missionary journey to run into Timothy. Because this is the beginning of their relationship. This is the beginning of the discipleship. This is the beginning because Timothy becomes a key person in the early church. So for me, just reading this, that seeing Paul and Silas came and met Timothy, and, and that now Paul said in, in verse 3, right, that he, um, Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, that no, come on. Timothy, you're going with us. This was key. This is the sovereign plan of God. We know, we see this. We know today that Timothy became Paul's closest disciple, his assistant, his trusted right-hand man. And Paul, we know in the New Testament writings, even sent Timothy on assignments because he could trust him. We think about the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Guess who it was written to? This same Timothy. This same guy that Paul is meeting right now. Timothy's mentioned in, in 2 Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, and Philemon. It's believed Timothy even became the pastor of the church in Ephesus. So this is real important. This is the beginning of Timothy's discipleship, of, of the beginning of this relationship, the beginning of Paul raising up Timothy. And so I see God sovereignly uh, sending Paul. This was his plan, sending Paul to travel the opposite way of how they went on the first missionary journey. And he meets up with Timothy here. Now, can you imagine, I was thinking about that, what the mother Eunice and the grandmother Lois thought when Paul asked Timothy to join them. Timothy, hey, join us on our mission. I could imagine a mom like, Timmy, are you sure? Have you count the cost? Remember what Paul went through, right? They saw Paul stoned. They saw the persecution going on. 
But I believe Timothy was on fire for the Lord. I believe Paul recognized that. I believe this true son in the faith, who is really a real believer, tried and true, was not to be deterred and was willing to do whatever God's will was. And what an opportunity, right, to join up with who the apostle Paul? Oh, man, what, what an opportunity that is. So <clears throat> Timothy really was, if you think about it, the one God chose to join up with Paul and Silas on this missionary team. So that's why we see here the unexpected team member. This unexpected team member came by God's sovereign will and plan. Paul probably didn't see it. Silas probably didn't see this coming. But God had him go that way. Travel all the way. And in Lystra, there he was. The unexpected team member came by God's sovereign will and plan. Sinclair Ferguson said this, Appearance can be deceptive. The fact that we cannot see what God is doing does not mean that he is doing nothing. Think about that quote. Look at that on the screen for a moment. Just because we cannot see what God is doing doesn't mean that God's not working. So many times we live by our perceptions, don't we? By what we can see, what we feel, what we think things should be. But if you look at that quote, just because we cannot see what God is doing, it does not mean that he is doing nothing. So you know what? Expect the unexpected. Expect that God is working. Expect that God is answering prayer. Expect that he has this master plan he's orchestrating. And with Paul, it was Timothy. With Paul and Silas, it was for Timothy to join them up. That Paul met Timothy and Paul's like, no, this is the guy to go with us. I want him to accompany us. Sometimes, you guys, the unexpected meeting, the unexpected meet is God's divine appointment. Be aware of that, you guys. We think it might be chance. We think, well, I don't know, we feel like we need to do this. or We're heading this way. I feel like God wants me to do this. Then suddenly this happens. It's God. It's God leading you all the way, sovereignly orchestrating things. So when you have that unexpected meeting, you know what? Flow with what God is doing. Flow with God. Don't overthink it. You know, sometimes we, well, I don't know, God, but what about this? What? Don't overthink it. I'm a big overthinker. It's right there. Just do it. Start to see God in those divine appointments. Focus on his plan, not so much how you think or how you see things must lay out. Because right there, God will unfold it to you. And so that's what happened with Paul and Timothy. The unexpected team member came by God's sovereign will and plan as Paul headed to Lystra. And I'll tell you what, when we are open to the Lord that way, when we believe that even if we don't see nothing, that God is working, you know what, we'll be like Timothy and we just could be entering the next adventure of your life. All right, number one, the unexpected team member. Let's go to the unexpected circumcision, number two. The unexpected circumcision. Here we're going to look at the second part of verse 3 to verse 5. 
Let's first take a look at verse 3, the second part, after Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Then it says, And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So, now Paul took Timothy and circumcised him. Why? Because of these Jews. Now, why, why is this important? For Timothy to be circumcised. Well, he wasn't circumcised. He's Hapa Jew. Um, you know why it's important? Because it's important for Timothy to be able to enter the Jewish synagogues. And knowing that Timothy is Hapa Jew, they would wonder, are you circumcised? And Timothy would say, oh no, that would not be good. Because what was their plan? What have we been seeing in the book of Acts? Well, when they come into a city, they find a synagogue, right? And they go into the synagogue, and, and Paul being a, a Pharisee, basically, uh, he's the guest speaker at that moment. He, he, he has this opportunity now to share Jesus through the word and witness to the people in that synagogue. So this was important that Timothy be circumcised. Now, you may be thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It seemed like this is a contradiction of what we just studied. Remember the Judaizers and made a big stink about, oh, now the Gentiles got to be circumcised too, and they got to follow the law, and then they could be saved. Jesus is good. But then, remember, <clears throat> part of this journey and with Silas there was to encourage believers, the Gentile believers, no, no, officially from Jerusalem, you don't have to be circumcised, you don't have to be under that, uh, just, you know, live your life right, don't uh, 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 worship idols, and eat meat given to idols to stumble other Jews. So, remember all that, so it seems like a contradiction, but the difference is that even though Timothy is a Hapa Jew, you know what, in the Jewish eyes, he's still considered a Jew. That's why this is important. So for Timothy to not be circumcised, they would be upset. They would be basically stumbled by Timothy if he were to enter the synagogue especially. So the circumcision of Timothy that we see here is nothing to do with salvation, but everything to do about not stumbling the Jews not stumbling even the believing Jews. So when God opened the door to share in the synagogue, we want to keep the door open to share Jesus. That's Paul's thinking. Take a moment, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 19 through uh, 22, add 23 in this too, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is really talking about this, about being this witness, about uh, keeping the door open and not letting certain things hinder, uh, things that aren't that important to, to uh, uh, believers, but may be important to someone else, and, and they might be stumbled if you don't do this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 Paul writes this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. 
To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Uh, Throne 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So do you understand what Paul is doing here? He, when God opens the door for them to go and share in the synagogue, well, they want to keep that door open. And Timothy is part of the team, and so they want to keep the door open so they can continue to share Jesus there. So on this missionary journey, that's their, their, their way of coming into cities and witnessing. And so Paul saw it's important that Timothy be circumcised. All right, back to Acts chapter 16. It says here in verse 4, As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So off they went. Uh, They went in to the cities, uh, they went on the missionary journey, and, and they shared the decisions. And with remember Silas there, a leader from Jerusalem, they are able to share the whole uh, council's decision about should a Gentile be circumcised? No, they probably had the letter. They shared that. And also they uh, 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 went to the churches, the believers there, strengthened their faith, and they increased in numbers daily, so they also shared Jesus Christ, and the church grew. So here, this is team Paul with Silas and Timothy going on in this missionary journey. And I could just imagine how fired up these guys were. I mean, people were being encouraged. Uh, uh, the Gentile believers were accepting this official letter from Jerusalem. And the church was on fire and people were added. More people were getting saved and being added to the church daily. And so can, can you imagine all this happening? This was the goal. This was their heart, to see people saved to see Jesus' name be known, to see believers encouraged in the Lord. And and having Timothy circumcised, and I'm attaching this to what we read, I could see it came from Paul's heart because he didn't want to stumble anyone. He wanted to see more Jews, more people saved. He wanted people encouraged in what? Jesus Christ. He wanted that to be the issue, not if Timothy was circumcised or not. But that was his heart. His passion to see people saved. It, I was thinking about this, and it made me think about the heart of Hudson Taylor. He's one of my heroes. He was a pioneer missionary to China. And he once wrote this, and I think you could hear his heart in this. Listen to this. Hudson Taylor said, I have a stronger desire than ever to go to China. That land is ever in my thoughts. Think of it. 360 million souls without God or hope in the world. Think of millions of our fellow creatures dying every year without any of the consolations of the gospel. So you understand, 
I believe that that's what's in Paul's heart. We read it in 1 Corinthians 9. We see his passion for people to be saved, that he might share the gospel. And I'm reminding you tonight, I'm putting in your head and hopefully in your heart, that that's what we are about. Our life is this adventure. It's an adventure, you guys. And it's a venture for, for Jesus to bring the gospel to others. We can get so self-focused in our American life we live here. And praise the Lord. We have a good life. Praise the Lord. God's blessed us with so much. But that is not everything. Eternity is what it's about. So here's Paul's heart. Here's, I believe, what Paul was after. The unexpected circumcision came in order to reach more people for Jesus Christ. And that's what we see in our section here. That people were being encouraged. People were added to the church. That unexpected circumcision came in order to reach more people for Jesus Christ. It has to be that. So what does it take for us to be all things to all men. What does it take for us to reach out, to build a bridge to others? That's what's important, you guys. That's what we have to be thinking along those lines. You know, again, um, mentioning Hudson Taylor, you know, when he first went to China, it was hard for him to break into the society, in the community there. Well, here's this Englishman, right, with English dress, a long coat and everything. And actually back then, foreign, white foreign people were called uh, foreign devils. That's what they were called. And so doors were like closed. And though he was in the land and God opened up that, he couldn't get past that. So you know what he did? He went to a barber. He cut off his hair. He bought a wig with one of those long braided, uh, they call it a queue, and he put it on top of his head, which was the style of men back then. That's what they wore. He also got a Chinese robe, and he wore that. And he walked around that way and started sharing Christ, started helping people. And guess what? That opened the door. Well, you could say God opened the door for him to be there. Well, that really opened the door and kept the door open. And people started listening at that point. So you guys, we got to... Do whatever it takes to be all things all men. To not make our own bubble. To not live in that bubble, but be open. I mean, <clears throat> smiles maybe sometimes <laughs> at someone. Say hi, wave. Yeah? Talk to someone. Someone walk in the neighborhood. Hi, I'm, I'm trying to wave. Uh, the UPS guy dropped off oh, about six boxes or so, boxes for the outreach. And, and, um, and, and you know what? I thought, oh, I'm going to, I said, Kristen, get, some, get a bottle of water. I got a bottle of water. Water gave it to Riley, and Riley gave it to him. But <clears throat> he's our regular guy who comes by. I'm going to start opening a door. I've been trying to do that even with the FedEx person. Wait, you know. Let's open up. Let, let's not just, oh, yeah, thank you, see you. Or just drop it there, right? Let's interact with those God is going to bring around us and not close it off thinking only of ourselves. So we see Timothy, Paul did that with Timothy to keep that door open. Let's open our heart to this because with that, God's giving you the next adventure.
All right, we've seen number one, the unexpected team member. Number two, the unexpected circumcision. And now number three, the unexpected roadblock. I think this is very interesting. We're going to cover verses 6 through 10. Let's take a look at all those verses here. Verse 6, and they went through the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, um, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troash, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now I want to put up a map, the second map, (coughs) that I want to show you guys. And it kind of gets you a little bit um, orientated in what's going on here say in like verse 6. Now, you see Galatia up there toward the north to the top of the screen. Uh, You see Asia, um, or my Asia, is kind of in the same area. Uh, Phrygia is kind of more, it's not listed toward the left. But basically, they wanted to go west. They wanted to follow the, the, their old journey, going west into the Asia, Pamphylia, kind of in that area. But the Holy Spirit forbid them to share. Now, later you can see in that area of, of Asia, you can see that later uh, God did establish churches, like the churches of Ephesus, Philadelphia, Colossae. But this was not the time. This was not the time. So they wanted to go up north, and so... Um, they wanted to try and go in the north to Vithnia. Is that up there somewhere? Or maybe I didn't. But it's up there, believe me. (laughs) To the north, basically. But what happened, the Spirit of Jesus or the Holy Spirit did not allow them. So passing Maesha, they went down to Troas. Now Troas is on the left of the screen, on the edge toward the top there, if you can see that. So that's where they ended up there and there at Troash, they saw or Paul had a vision in the night of a man of Macedonia. Uh, in, the, uh, in a moment, I'll show you the next map. But the Ma- Macedonia is, is not on there, but it's to the left there, to your left, uh, across the the Aegean Sea there. So they're at Troash, at the shore there. God had hemmed them in from going west and going north, so they just had to just keep going up northwest. And there at Troash, when they ended up there, that there was a vision given to Paul, calling out to say, come, help us, come, help us. And Paul knew right then and there that this was the Lord. I mean, what else are you going to think, right? Because the Holy Spirit, no, don't go down west, don't go up north, but just keep going on this northwest. And so immediate Paul sought a way to get to Macedonia. Now, there's something I want you to see to take note to in verse 10. It says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, what does it say? The next word, we sought to go on into Macedonia. There's a change now from now to we, which is telling us that Luke, the writer, 
joins them. So there's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, the writer, Dr. Luke, we should say, right, joins Paul and the team here. All right, so the Spirit directs the team through what? Closed doors, through detours, to funnel them into one option. And what's that option? Troas, which is, the, which is a launching point to get to Macedonia. Now, we don't know exactly how the Holy Spirit, you know, told them not to go. Was it bad weather? I don't know. Maybe no tickets. I don't know. Uh, sickness or no peace. But the team, what I like is that they didn't make their own agenda. I like that. I mean, when, when was the last time we just went, you know? We just went somewhere while Holy Spirit guide us. I mean, this is Paul. Or maybe he had a plan. Well, I, I, this is what I'm thinking. I want to head this way. But then Holy Spirit says, nope. Okay, well, I, I think I'll try to head this way then. And Holy Spirit says, no. Okay, we only have this way. And where's that? Oh, trash. Okay, let's go there. Not knowing what the next step is. I love this about this team. They didn't have their own agenda, but what they look for the Holy Spirit's travel itinerary, right? And here's a, another thing. I don't see anything written here that they were discouraged. I mean, things were going so great. They're encouraging the believers, everything. Oh, yeah, let's go to these churches now, or let's visit these synagogues here. Nope, nope, nope. It was like roadblock, roadblock, roadblock. But they knew that God is still in roadblocks. God is still in the detours. So the unexpected roadblocks were really God's way of leading them into his will. The unexpected roadblocks were God's way of leading them into God's will. Perhaps it was a test. Perhaps maybe uh, it was a test of faith to them. Perhaps it was a test of are you, do you want your agenda or do you want to follow me? Will you obey me? Will you push, break through those roadblocks? Right? Sometimes don't we do that? Detour, no way, I'm still going. Yeah. No, Lord, this is what I want. God's saying, no, no. But no, God, I, and we push through those blocks sometimes because we're blockheads. No, but, <laughs> but understand, these guys, what a great example. They persevered. They kept going, right? The unexpected roadblocks were God's way of leading them right exactly into their, His will to end up in Troas, to see the vision. And we're going to see in the next section that they're going to go over into Macedonia. Amy Carmichael, <clears throat> um, she was a missionary in India. Well, this is how she started out. Amy Mar- Carmichael heard a message from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was in England speaking. She heard him, and Hudson Taylor saying, go, go out. She felt the spirit. She said, I want to go. So you know what? She ended up in 1893. She went to Japan. She was 24 years old. God did use her, but she had a really hard time with the language. She had health problems from the weather. She was <clears throat> bedridden for weeks and and sometimes even months she was in bed. She tried a different location in Japan, but she got sick. And missionary doctors told her that, you know what, you need to go back home. You're, you're too sickly for missionary work. She returned to Ireland, but 
When those doors were closed, she kept seeking God. And she kept seeking God. And God ended up leading her to India. And that's where she ended up ministering in, a missionary for for the rest of her life. She, was, she rescued girls from becoming temple prostitutes, and she was there for 55 years. I think about that. Maybe she thought this was it. Maybe it was a test of fate. Maybe it was some learning for her to do. But it was a roadblock. It seemed like a roadblock. No, you're not making it in Japan. She sees the doctor. No, you're too sickly to be a missionary even. But she persevered. She kept seeking God. And the Lord led her and she found her place for where God wanted her. God's detours, understand, are still divine appointments. Look for God. I encourage you. Seek a vision. Seek to hear His voice. Seek a word from Him. In those times of detours and roadblocks, that's when you're really on your face before the Lord. That's when you're seeking God. And even if another one comes, or you think it might be this, or you're trying this, and and you're trying to understand, God, what's going on? You know what? Think about it. Approach it more as a divine appointment, and you'll see God move. Seek Him. God is not like, ha, 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 I'm playing with you, right? Ha, 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 I'm just going to block here, block here. Yeah, keep trying, you know, kind of thing. No, it's not that at all. Whatever sovereignly he may be testing you, growing you in, God will give you the plan. God will guide you. Know this tonight, wherever you're at. Whatever adventure God is putting on, listen for him. We, we need to be the ones to surrender to whatever that will is. I, was, I wanted to share this. Arthur Edwards, he was praying in 1927, and he had this vision. God spoke to him. He saw this man with a white beard, white hair, lean upon a plow with an old horse hooked to it, looking far off toward a distance as if he was watching for someone to come. Well, the next year he moved to Panama. God had already told him, given a vision to move to his family to Panama, and in, in 1928, well, while he was there, he went, he heard of this minister who was in the hospital. A, a, a minister was out in the jungle, and he was dying in the hospital. So he, he went in there to pray for him. Well, when he walked into the room, that man was the man in his vision. Uh, his name was Latham. Later, uh, the, the minister went home to heaven, but later... Uh, uh, Arthur Edwards went to this old minister's house and, and he, he found, he happened to be uh, upon the guy's diary and he came upon this page which this old minister had written and it said, I am much along in years and my strength is waning. Lord, please span the miles and put your hand on someone else to take up the plow. It all connected for him. And it all ended up that Arthur Edwards, Panama, yes, that was the starting point. But then God led him to this dying minister, which was a guy in his vision. And when he saw the diary, he ended up going into the jungle to minister and take his place there. God led him. So be aware. 
God will lead us. Even in the unexpected roadblocks, God will be leading you into his will. Will. All right, the next adventure. <clears throat> number one, the unexpected team member. Number two, the unexpected circumcision. Number three, the unexpected roadblock. And now number four, our last heading is the unexpected salvation. Here we're going to finish up the chapter here. and of, I'm, I'm sorry, not the chapter, our section from verse 11 through verse 15. Let's take a look at verse 11 through 13 first. So setting sail for tro- sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we were supposed where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. We'll stop there. All right, if you take a look at this final map, map three here, this final map, here they ended up in Philippi. So you can see how they traveled from Troas, Samothrace, Neapolis, and they ended up there, Philippi, in the top middle of the screen. That was a journey. That's what they ended up. They're in Macedonia now, the area of Macedonia, where the vision of the Macedonian man had called out to Paul. Now, Philippi is a Roman colony. And it being a Roman colony, in, in Jewish custom, if there are 10 men, Ten Jewish men, they can officially form a synagogue. But when they get to Philippi, we see here that they didn't go to the synagogue, but they went to the riverside because there wasn't enough men, Jewish men, in that city. It was a Roman colony, a Gentile uh, uh, city. But you know what the custom is? All right, if there's not enough ten men, you can go by the riverside to gather together to at least pray for however, you know, or whoever Jews are there. And so they went to the riverside, and what they find? Women praying, uh, because there's not enough men, so there's some women praying there. I, I, I like this, where it says that um, we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together there in verse 13. I like that. Even though there's only Jewish women and other women there, uh, Paul did still stop to share Jesus. He wasn't like the Pharisees. Many of the Pharisees were more like women. Ah, they're nothing, right? You remember their attitude toward women. The missions team here took the time and effort to share Jesus with anybody. Anyone, right? Gentile or Jew, right? Uh, uh, um, we, we see in Galatians three twenty-eight, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, slave, free, men or women, Jew or Gentile, Paul knew God's heart. So they took time and effort to share Jesus with anybody, anybody that would hear. And that should be our heart on our adventure, too. All right, verse 14. It goes on, One who heard us, there's that us again, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. 
the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So in this last two verses for this evening, there at the riverside, a part of the meeting of these women who were praying, there was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. Now, uh, most commentators say that probably her real name wasn't Lydia. It was probably like a, a nickname uh, because she's probably from the city of Lydia in that area of Thyatira, which is back over in, in that area of Asia in, in our, our, our map. But they probably called her Lydia. Now, her business, she was a, a business woman, right? Her, her business, she was a seller of purple goods. Uh, what was that? Well, she would sell fabric dyed purple. Back then, they would use uh, 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 glands of a shellfish or sometimes a root of a plant to dye the cloth. And that would it'd be a, a, a very special thing. And so she had a business of selling that cloth, maybe different goods made out of that cloth or clothes in that way. And so she was was this businesswoman. But the great thing about her, the important thing, is she's there at the riverside. She's there when Paul Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke come. She's there when they start sharing Christ. She's there. And why is she there? Well, it says here in verse 14, who was a worshiper, of God. In other words, she was a Gentile proselyte. She believed, uh, she gave herself, committed to Judaism. She believed in the one true God. That's what that means. So then, the Lord, it says, opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. In other words, God, through the Holy Spirit, started speaking to her. She was already seeking the one true God. And now the Holy Spirit was speaking to her through Paul, and she was locked in. She was listening. She was into everything that Paul was saying. And I believe, and what's not written here, is that she believed and was saved. She believed and got saved, because in the next verse it says, uh, if... um, Verse 15, and after she was baptized and her household as well. So she believed in Christ Jesus, probably brought them um, to, to share with her household or the servants. And maybe they were there by the river with her attending to her. But they also believed in Christ, perhaps with the witness of Lydia. Anyway, they all became saved. And after she got saved, she was baptized. Not just her, but her family, her servants. And being wealthy, she probably had servants and everything. And then she says in verse 15, If you have judged me to be faithful, in other words, to be a real believer in the Lord, then you don't know, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed. She was insistent. No, come. Come stay. Come stay. And with that, we see she opened up her home. And her insistence, her hospitality, really was a fruit of her salvation. To bring them in. So what we see here is when Lydia and her household came to the Lord. You know what this is? This is the beginnings of the Philippian church. This is the beginning here. Like the book of Philippians is written to the church in Philippi. 
This is the beginnings right here, and I believe the first convert was Lydia herself, this wealthy Gentile lady. Not a Jew, but a Gentile. And not just a Gentile, a wealthy lady. We can see that Lydia is not saved by good works, but good works came out after she was saved. That she, she attended to these, this missionary team. And so I see Lydia proved her real faith here, opening her house. And it was her and her household, and whoever else came to the Lord, these were the believers who first became the Philippian church. It's all based on Jesus. Not a works, but based on Jesus. What a surprise. By the riverside, those who came to be saved, especially Lydia, the beginning of the church was by this wealthy Gentile woman. So the Last point is the unexpected salvation by the river was with a wealthy Gentile woman. Just that, that. Jesus said in Luke 18 that it's difficult for the wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because if you're wealthy, you rely so much on those riches. It could turn into an idol. And it's hard to let go. What seems impossible, God can't. And God can save, and certainly God saved Lydia. So understand, I want you to see this unexpected salvation. Maybe in your adventure you think, ah, this person will never get saved. Ah, this this person who's backsling will never come back to the Lord. Ah, they look like they're too far gone. But you know what? God does the impossible. Pray hard. Believe much. Be ready to share. There's, there's so many in need today, and even it seems impossible. God is the God of the impossible. And that one unexpected one could be the one. Do you know what? Start a movement. To start a fire. To spread Jesus Christ to others. And I was thinking about this. God, will you use me? Um, my adventure. To share with someone. To bring someone to Christ who unexpectedly, the last person you think would come to Christ would come to Christ, but then they may be the one God chose to start a movement, to start a work. The whole world, (coughs) uh, uh, or who would have thought a church was beginning here? Paul and the team must have been excited to see this one, her household, coming to Jesus. This one turned to two, then turned to three, then more. Here's this last thing as we close up. Take note of what we're reading here. The fruit of perseverance, right? In the good times, in the times of roadblocks, in the times of there's no synagogue, what do we do? Well, let's find a place by the riverside. That's where normally they'll be praying. And there, that's where God sent them, there was a woman who gave her life to the Lord. There's fruit we see here, the fruit of perseverance. Though they put many miles in, you know what? It was all worth it. I mean, we saw the maps. (laughs) They traveled a lot, and when you travel back then, it wasn't easy. But that's the passion on their heart. That's the perseverance that they stuck to. Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in 
Christ. So let's have the same heart to keep going to reach the lost. Because you know what? They're there. They're there all around us. I'll close with this. The British mountaineer George Lay Mallory became famous after multiple expeditions to uh, Mount Everest in the early 1900s. Actually, he later on, he had disappeared on ascent to Mount Everest, where his body was found 75 years later. I was reading about that. But before that, he was on a book tour in the U.S. in 1923. And on this tour, people regularly asked him this question. Why did you want to climb Mount Everest? Why did you want to climb Mount Everest? And you know what his answer is the same each time he was asked. He said, because it's there. I like that. I love that. I like that. So it is with us, us who serve the Lord, who have a passion to see people grow in the Lord, who have a passion to see people saved, who have a passion knowing that eternity is around the corner, who know that there's still people out there who need saving, people, believers who need encouraging, people who who are struggling, people who wandered off. They need to be brought back. And so, because it's there, because the work is there, because the loss is there, we need to keep going. So let us be brave. Step out on that journey. Let us be brave like these guys are, and let us get going on the next adventure. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word tonight, God. Lord, I'm excited. I know there's a venture all around me, God. There's outreaches we have planned. There's people have been trying to talk to, to witness to, new people I'm meeting. Lord, may we all get on our adventure, Lord, that you're wanting us to be. This is the next adventure for us from here. May we be inspired by these guys that we read here. And so may your Holy Spirit guide us, empower us, and continue to urge us to persevere, whether it's great times, roadblocks, hard times. God, that we would always keep that eternal purpose in our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen.